for healthcare professionals to deliver the best care possible. It is more important than ever for care teams to capture meaningful, complete, and accurate data. Our next guest has been valiantly leading the charge to ensure digital empathy is at the forefront of critical communication gaps in the healthcare industry. Eric Gombrick, CEO of Ticket Health, joins us to discuss his storied journey in moving healthcare technology innovation forward, how and why his organization came to be, and the inspiring results his company's technology delivers. Additionally, Eric shares the significant need for his technology to aid in the well-being of adolescent students because of the pandemic and how you and your network can get involved in the Ticket Health mission. Join us as we discuss the power of digital empathy and its positive and needed impact in our communities. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Eric, welcome to our podcast. I'm so excited to have you as a guest today. It's an honor. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, Eric, I'm grateful to have this conversation with you today, given your important work in building digital tools that engender greater trust with individuals that enable them to disclose maximum information with greater honesty. But before we dive into this important mission and work with your company at Ticket Health, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Eric, it's almost time for our community to learn how Ticket Health is elevating organizational performance by harnessing the power of digital empathy. But first, I'm going to randomly select a question so we can get to know you here. Ooh, what is one thing that you love to do outside of your work at Ticket Health and moving healthcare innovation forward? I do know you live up north. I know it's beautiful country where you're at, but what is one thing you love to do outside of work? Oh, well, I don't know if I could narrow it down to one thing in the context that you're thinking of, Mike. Probably the biggest thing is actually traveling with my family, not related to work. The opportunity to go meet other people, experience other cultures, things along those lines without the overhead of having work in the back of my mind is something I absolutely love doing. I'm right there with you. And it is kind of hard to do that in a pandemic, obviously. So with that, then let me ask a secondary question. Where has been the favorite place you've ever visited with your family? If you can narrow it down. Yeah, that one's pretty easy for me. I'm a huge lover of New Zealand. I've absolutely fallen in love with the country, been there a few times now. And I can't wait to get back. It's high on my list. My grandmother said that that is her favorite place on earth. I've never been down there. I've been all over the world. I've been very fortunate as well, be able to travel and see a lot of things. But that is one spot. I think it might have to happen pretty quickly after the pandemic and we can start safely traveling again. Because like I said, I've heard nothing but great things about New Zealand. Yeah, it's fantastic. My wife had a great description of it. She said it's like compressing San Diego up to Anchorage in a space the size of California. And so you get everything you get from glaciers to warm beaches and everything in between. And I think it's a great description of it. I've and ne- the people are just phenomenal as well. That's what I've heard as well. I've heard the people are just incredible. And I've never heard New Zealand described that way. 
That is a great description. Again, cannot wait to get back out there, travel around the world. New Zealand, high, high on the list. So thank you for sharing that, Eric. I do appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to discussing how you and your team are harnessing this power of digital empathy after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. With rising burnout, malpractice, digital and personal risks, clinicians face greater than a million dollar liability. And in today's climate, busy frontline healthcare workers don't have the capacity to attend to these risky blind spots. But the AdaptTrack team is bringing hope and solutions to the healthcare industry. AdaptTrack's mission is to help clinicians and their practice teams work and live better. AdaptTrack's 30-second nudges unlock Category 1 continuing medical education credits along with insurance savings while meeting the busy clinician where they are. On Clubhouse, during weekend nature walks, through all of HELPS, from this podcast, and over 3,000 additional work-life moments. To learn more about AdaptTrack and how you can engage in active learning that drives a 5x plus ROI, a 30x time savings, and an experience clinicians will love, head over to AdaptTrack.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Eric Gombrich, CEO of Ticket Health. And Eric, we have a lot to discuss today. I'm fascinated around this topic and this notion that you guys have all over the place online and your mission that you mentioned about Ticket Health, this notion of harnessing the power of digital empathy. But before we go there and really dive into what that means, how it's positively impacting the industry and our communities around the country and around the world, I want to go back a bit and have you take our community on a journey. You've had an absolute storied career in health technology innovation. You've been there. You've done that. You've bought the t-shirt, maybe a few of them. You've been there (laughs) along the way. You've seen a lot. I'm a big fan of yours. Give us a little bit of the history lesson and then take us into how you discovered Ticket Health, how were you brought into the Ticket Health journey. And then from there, we'll talk about what you guys are working on today, where you see things heading tomorrow. And then of course, how we can be helping you out. But before we go there, give us a little bit of that backdrop, Eric, on how you got to where you are as the CEO of Ticket Health. Thanks, Mike. I don't know that I had much of a choice, quite honestly. I was raised by an entrepreneur who was one of the early pioneers in health technology. First head of sales and marketing at Medtronic, co-founder of St. Jude Medical. Ultimately, when I was in university, started a company called Clinicom, which is now part of the Kesson family of software solutions. Really, it was the first bedside computing system available in the industry and was the pioneering solution first applying barcoding technology in healthcare, and particularly in the pharmacy and other technologies. And I got sucked into things at an early age with the spark of his passion and trying to solve unique problems in unique ways and started doing some work with him during my summers when I was in university. And I've never been able to get out of the industry. It's kind of like the mob. Once you're in, you can never get out. And once you get that bug in you, I think as far as being an innovator and an entrepreneur, it's tough to really thrive on anything else. My career has taken me from those early days, again, when I was still in university through the early days of Eclipsis, now part of all scripts, and through one of the first patient and provider portal companies, actually ended up leading the North American division of an EMR company out of the UK called Emis. And then again, I was with one of the early movers in the patient engagement space and the health coaching and things along those lines. And it was after that that I uh, crossed paths with the two co-founders of Ticket Health, which was originally founded in 
Toronto. I crossed paths with them and they were just getting started and they wanted some assistance in putting together their go-to-market strategy. And they asked if I would be willing to help them from a consulting perspective in defining that strategy. And I signed on because I was really intrigued by what Dr. Whitehouse, she goes by Sandy, very casual individual who's a pleasure to work with and pleasant to be around. And that was in 2011, 2012 timeframe. And after helping them with that, they asked if I would stay on as an advisor. And I did so, including making all of my subsequent employers aware of that fact. And none of them had a problem with it because there were no conflicts. In fact, some of them found it really interesting what Ticket was doing at the time. And so I've been involved ever since then. And when the opportunity presented itself in middle of 2019 to come in and help them again as CEO, I jumped at the chance because they had really made some progress in the market, not just in terms of growing the business, but the impact that the business was having on the outcomes of patients and the organizations that were supporting them. So that's how I got here. Well, I can't wait to discuss that impact you guys are having to get health with those patients and with the marketplace. There's a lot happening in your camp, but I do want to ask a couple of questions around that story career that you just briefly shared with us in the community. What were some of the biggest things that you've seen along the way that were just so awe-inspiring to you, right? I mean, you've seen a lot through that journey. A lot has happened, especially now in the past five years, a lot has happened in health technology. But what were some of those seminal moments in your career that you can share with our community that you said, man, this is the place to be. Health technology has truly has an opportunity to move healthcare forward. What were some of those pit stops along the way that really kept you fired up? One of the things I think, Mike, that's always kept me fired up is the understanding or, from my perspective, the clarity and the potential. There's so many ways that we can improve the way that we deliver care. And the opportunity, again, being with innovative early stage companies to work with like-minded, early-stage, innovative healthcare providers and or potentially payers or integrated systems gave me the real opportunity to see how they think. And there's a real difference between those that are thinking on the leading edge as innovators and those that are in the mainstream, if you will. And the opportunity to work with some of those organizations that are on the leading edge, and it's not just in the United States, but on a global basis, and to be able to see what can happen when you restructure things, the way we do care. And I'm not even talking about it at a clinical level. I'm talking about it at a business process level, whether it's the way that we remunerate the institutions or the providers, the physicians, for the services that they provide, or what we measure and then how we measure it as far as outcomes. Those type of things, when you get them aligned, you have tremendous impact potential. And seeing that happen in tiny little segments, again, around the world that my travels have led me to, is fascinating. And the idea of bringing some of these ideas back to other countries as you cross borders. As you mentioned, you know, I live in Canada, originally an American, of course, but living in Canada now, I get to see things through a lens that most Americans are not familiar with. And that is really how does a socialized healthcare system work. And there's some really good things here. There's some things that are challenging, of course. And one of the things that I find fascinating about this is the US and Canada, in a certain context, are almost mirror images of one another. Canada could really benefit from some of the things in the United States, and the United States could really benefit from some of the things in Canada. And finding organizations that are willing to go out on a limb and take that leadership position 
is something that is really energizing on a perpetual basis. A good example of that, I think, and give you a concrete example, is what we've seen over the last several years, successes and failures granted in the ACO model in the United States and value-based or outcomes-based remuneration. And these are sentiments or concepts that already exist in the rest of the world, and they're having a pretty profound effect. And if we can just get ourselves aligned in the U.S. around these concepts, I think we're going to be able to have a substantial impact on not only the quality of care, but the cost effectiveness of that care and the ability to access care for those that are not necessarily having easy access as it is today. Well, thank you for sharing that, Eric. And you're right. There's been so much that has happened over the years and to be at the table, to watch it, to influence it and to be part of the journey and so many different systems, right? As you mentioned, there's a lot happening in Canada versus America. There's a lot of things happening around the world. For instance, look at the emerging market happening in India. I mean, just fascinating what's happening over there. So to be able to be there at the forefront and be at those tables, I'm sure it feels like such a privilege. I know it is for me. And it's something that I take very seriously. And it's a great honor as I continue my pursuit to move healthcare and innovation forward. So thank you for sharing a little bit of that backdrop, Eric. Now let's talk about Ticket Health. Like you mentioned, you've been there as an advisor and now you're the CEO. You've been with the team and alongside and working with the team for a number of years. Now as CEO, as I mentioned, but I'm really fascinated around this topic of digital empathy. So maybe Mm -hmm. you can tell us what Ticket Health is and what is digital empathy? Why is that important? Why is it important now? And of course, where is that going to take us into the future? But maybe we'll start with that elevator pitch, which I know you have down pat. What is Ticket Health? Yes. So it goes back to Sandy, Dr. Whitehouse's background as a pediatrician and her realizing that as a frontline practicing physician, even when she was running the emergency room at the Children's Hospital in Vancouver, getting information and communicating with her patients was a real challenge. And as she spoke to many of her colleagues, even outside of pediatrics, they all expressed the same sentiment. So she started working on, is there a better way to communicate with patients? And in particular, is there a better way to get information from them that wouldn't be as stigmatizing or threatening and would allow us to get more accurate information? And that's really what Ticket is all about. And the way we do it is what we call digital empathy, as you've alluded to. And it's really the presence of mind amongst an institution or even an individual in recognizing that when you ask somebody a question, Well, it's obviously critical that you want to get the answer to the question. The way you ask the question is critically important. And it's something that we overlook, not just in healthcare, we do it universally. And a good example of this, I think, is one that was mentioned to me during a presentation a few weeks ago. There was a woman in the group that we were presenting to who, after we started to talk about this and then showed some of the solutions that we had, said, this just resonates with me perfectly. I had an appointment with a physician last week, first time I'd ever met the physician. And within the first three minutes of the encounter, I was asked, what is your sex life like? And I shut down. She recognized that what we were talking about in the context of digital empathy would have addressed this in being a little more sensitive and empathetic to the way we ask that question. And we don't do that today. We have doctors fire questions or nurses or MOAs or administrators, whatever, firing questions at patients, and in many cases, completely dismissing the answers they're giving us because we know they're not going to be honest. So why are we even bothering asking the questions to begin with? And so digital empathy is really about modifying the way that we ask for that information 
in a way that will engender us to be more efficient in getting the data as well as getting more and more accurate data in the process. Wow. Well, thank you. And it's true. It's so important. You just come in hot with a question like that and you don't take into a context of who you're asking, how you're asking, when you're asking. Those are the types of results that obviously leaders and clinicians and others experience. So with that though, Eric, how do you do that tactically? Maybe give us a little bit of the nuts and bolts. How does that work? How do you go about doing that tactically? Yeah. So Ticket, our solution is a SaaS-based, if you want to think of it this way, you can. I think it kind of minimizes it a bit, but it's a survey platform. It's a SaaS-based survey platform. But what's unique about it is the way that we design the questions in the assessments or surveys or questionnaires. And so what we do, again, applying what we call the digital empathy design framework, is we consider the audience that is being asked the question and we create variations on those questions based on the demographics of the audience. So for example, I might ask a question about how well somebody is sleeping, but I may ask that question slightly differently if it's a 15 or 20-year-old male versus a 70-year-old female. And I may ask the question differently if it is an African-American versus somebody from Indian descent versus somebody who is of Anglo descent. And so when you consider how different languages, ethnicities, cultures, age groups, religions, et cetera, interpret information and how they perceive things as being stigmatized or not, all of a sudden you realize maybe we need to modify the way we ask these questions. Same question being asked, but slight modifications to it can have a profound effect. And so the way that that manifests itself tactically in the ticket universe is that, first of all, we do things like try to reduce the amount of text that is in a question and replace it with imagery or iconography. And so, as you might imagine, if I'm dealing with someone that's probably under 30 years old, emojis are really, really popular and something that they're very, very comfortable with, both in the form of questions and in the responses. But as I get into an older age group, I may not want to be using emojis. I might want to use photographs as the imagery. And as I traverse across different languages, the ability to change that imagery or those icons based on their particular culture around that language are things that we can do. And when you do that, what we see is a dramatic increase in not only the response rates, but the honesty and the forthrightness with which people will share information. It's powerful. And so in regards to, say, you know, the large majority of our community here tuning in at Passion Pioneers is United States-based, can you give us some examples of where you saw significant benefit? Well, you know, what are some of those examples that are true case studies where our leaders here say, oh, yeah, that can certainly apply to me? Who are those persona types that it's impacting? What are some of those success stories that you and the Ticket Health team have experienced here stateside? Sure. I think there are a few that come to the top of mind. The first one, which I think is going to be of interest to a lot of people, we actually did a research project. Now, we are, just to be clear, we are not an HCAP surveying company. We have no intention of doing that. But we did a research project with the University of California where we took one of the HCAP surveys and we applied digital empathy to it. And the results were pretty astounding. First of all, we saw an 80% increase in the response rate. 80%. Wow. And if you think about the amount of time and energy that organizations are spending to just get to the minimum mandate of the number of responses they need for HCAP surveying, that's a cost. And if you can increase the response rates, particularly that substantially, you're going to lower your cost in trying to get this feedback. 
But the other thing that's so profound in it is we saw a significant increase in the positivity of the responses. This has a direct impact on, of course, the remuneration through CMS. If you apply the same concept to any satisfaction or quality-based surveys, you can see where all of a sudden organizations would not only be getting more forthright information, but perhaps not upsetting their patients or their clients in the process of asking, are you satisfied with us? I mean, how many of us have gone through (laughs) the experience of getting a satisfaction survey, not just in healthcare, but after any type of commercial transaction, where two or three minutes into it, we're annoyed by the survey itself, while the organization that's doing the surveying is trying to find out how happy we are with their service. I mean, it's completely counterintuitive. Why would you upset me when you're asking me the questions that you want to know if I'm happy or on your service? So that's just one. A more clinical example is in the use of mental health screening and assessments that are being done. I think a lot of organizations are probably familiar with the PHQ-9, which is a standardized, validated assessment. It exists in most EHRs. But when it's put into most EHRs, like Epic or Cerner or Meditech, et cetera, the whole concept is that the provider is going to be interviewing the patient with these questions. If you haven't established a trusting relationship with that patient, why do you think the patient's actually going to be forthright in giving you that information? And the other thing that we have found in the clinical research we've done is it's not uncommon that the provider will intone a sentiment, if you will, in the way that they do the interview. So, for example, rather than reading the question verbatim, which is in the validated assessment, they might say, you're not depressed, are you? Now I know what you want to hear. And so how many patients are giving the providers that answer rather than giving them the honest answer? We've taken the PHQ as well as roughly about 40 or 50 other validated assessments, and we've applied digital empathy to them. And so what's now happening is we're able to do that assessment or that questionnaire before the patient even shows up in the exam. And so now not only do we have more information, we didn't require any staff to spend time doing the interviewing. And as the provider walks into the exam room, they already have the answers. So they're better equipped to provide clinical interventions and feedback to the patient during that encounter, which shortens the encounter and results in better outcomes. And we've been doing this for the better part of seven, eight years now. We've been doing it largely in the United States, but also in Canada, of course, and Australia. And the results stand up country to country. So cool. Well, thank you for sharing that, Eric. And of course, there's a lot still that's going to be happening in the Ticket Health camp. I know you guys are just rolling up your sleeves. You're still going at it strong. You've been at it for quite some time, but I know just like myself, we're just getting going, right? There's so much opportunity still ahead of us to move this industry forward. And so where do you and the team see things heading over the next one to two, two to three years, not just for Ticket Health, but for the industry at large? What should we be thinking about? Where do you see things heading? And what do we need to be keeping on our radar? So I think one of the things that we're seeing, and we're seeing accelerating momentum on this right now, I think largely triggered by the pandemic, of course, but is a convergence between healthcare and other institutional organizations, such as, in our case, education. When you consider what's in the news coming out of the pandemic about how many kids are suffering from anxiety or depression or isolation or other issues that might even be described as social determinant issues, this is all information that largely is coming out of the academic or the education setting right now. And the reason is, it's because it's the schools and the teachers that are on the front line of dealing with these kids. 
whether they're in school, in the classroom physically, or they're learning remotely, it's the teachers who themselves are also suffering from these issues, but it's the teachers that are recognizing maybe there's a social determinant issue because I haven't seen Mary in class virtually in a month. Where is she? Is it because there's not enough money and there's not enough internet access and there's not enough technology in the home? Is it because there's something else going on in the home? The teachers are really at the front line of this. But if we don't get in front of those things, they become the healthcare issues, the mental health issues, and Lord help us, the physical health issues that these kids are experiencing are going to tip over and become the healthcare systems problems. And so what we're seeing, Mike, is this convergence of healthcare and education coming together. And a lot of it is happening in the context of what are known as school-based health centers, a construct that was originally created through CMS. But we're even seeing this happen organically, where we're seeing things like FQHCs partner with the local school or school district and offer to come in and do screening of the kids in the school to help the school identify the kids that are in need. But recognizing that the FQHC or the health system may be in a better position of supporting these kids and their families than the school itself is. So these convergences are things that we're seeing growing, like I say, accelerating in nature. The education and healthcare one is a pretty low-hanging fruit one we're seeing right now, like I said, with an accelerating rate of growth. Another one is employers. As we see large employers start to get involved in looking after the health and wellness of their employees, this is not something new. It's something that's been trickling along and slowly growing, but we're starting to see it pick up. And the ability for an employer to do things like screen or assess their employees for social determinant issues or mental health issues or physical health issues could be chronic disease type related things. The ability for the health systems to partner with these organizations is something that we really think is going to be a big part of the future. That's incredibly important as well. And I couldn't agree more with you, Eric. There is so much need right now in the education space. Just look at what the pandemic has laid bare. It has absolutely shown us where the inequities are, where the needs are, how vitally important that social construct is for our young people in society and what the education environment means to them on so many different levels. And so do you see the technology going right directly into the hands of people at the schools? Like, How do you see that also tactically in the future rolling out? I hear you. It's important. But how are you guys going to go about that? Yeah, it's a great question. And it varies. I wish I could give you a very simple, straightforward, singular answer, but it varies. For example, we're being used right now in a project in King County in and around Puget Sound, Seattle area, where King County school districts have deployed an assessment that was developed by Seattle Children's Research Institute, part of Seattle Children's Hospital, all based on ticket. And it's running in the 4550 middle and high schools right now, where the government, the county itself, is working with the schools to screen all of the kids, again, the middle and high school kids, and they're starting to talk about going down in ages, younger age groups, for mental health issues, risky behaviors. It could be vaping, smoking, drug use, sexual activity, anything that you might classify as a risky behavior. That's being done in that case by the county in partnership with the schools. In other cases, we have the schools themselves signing up to use some of the tools on ticket and screen the kids themselves because they already have counselors or psychologists or social workers as part of the school or the school district. 
Probably the biggest area we see the growth in, though, is in the school-based health centers themselves, of course, which are run by the local health system with physical existence or presence in the schools themselves. And it's always done in collaboration. It might be the principal saying to the school-based health center, I think we've got an issue in our, in our school. Could you help us manage this? And so whether it ends up being the school-based health center that is actually contracting with Ticket, Ticket becoming a BAA under HIPAA to that institution, it's always being done in partnership with the school and the teachers and the counselors in that school. But we're also being used not just in the pediatric sense or the younger age group, youth healthcare, we're being used in the adult levels as well. We have some assisted living facilities that are using us. We have social service not-for-profit organizations. For example, the Canadian Red Cross is actually using Ticket as the front end of their disaster management system. So when they go into a disaster and you've got people that are in a vulnerable state, they may be in shock or panicking because they've lost their home to a flood, they're missing family members that might include pets, they might not have access to their medications and medical devices, things like that. The Red Cross has recognized that, wait a second, using this digitally empathetic approach is a much better way of calming people down and getting the accurate information from them and making sure we get all the information from them so we can turn around and deliver the services, whether it be writing a check or helping them get their medications or getting them shelter or food or whatever the case might be. So we're seeing this growth in multiple places and we're contracting with all of these organizations who quite honestly are dealing with people that are in a vulnerable state. So powerful, so needed, so important. And thank you for sharing that. And I can't wait to see how we might be able to help with that journey because it is more important now than ever, Eric. And Absolutely. so thank you for your guys' dedication to it and commitment and passion around it. And so with that, actually, let's talk about our community. Some amazing, passionate leaders rallied around this podcast. Some of our brightest minds in the country moving healthcare and innovation forward. What's one problem, need, or question that you or your team have at Ticket Health that we can be helping you with or contemplating? What's that one problem, need, or question that you could tee up for our community? Well, I think you posited this to me ahead of time so I could think about it, which I certainly appreciate. And I think where I'd like to take it is we would really like to better understand what organizations are doing out there as they recognize that the next killer app or killer drug is actually going to be the patient themselves. And that whole patient engagement framework and when we engage the patient, what organizations are doing out there to really consider how are we engaging with patients in a way that will actually lead to a stronger trusting relationship with us rather than us just throwing things at them like here are your instructions. And so we're really intrigued by those organizations that are taking a thought leading position on this and really deconstructing how they are trying to engage with patients. We'd love to hear from organizations like that, that are really thinking it through because they realize what they're doing now is suboptimal. Excellent. So to our community, anybody out there that's focused on that or within your network that some folks might be, feel free, reach out to Eric, get a hold of him and the team. And speaking of how to get a hold of Eric and the team, Eric, could you share some contact points online, social media handles or otherwise? Where can we find you online? Sure. First of all, let me just clarify that it is Ticket Health and Ticket is spelled T-I-C-K-I-T. Obviously, the name is born from the idea of ticking the box in a survey. So Ticket Health. 
We can be found on Twitter, at Ticket Health. We can be found on LinkedIn, same thing, Ticket Health, all one word. Our website, tickethealthoneword.com. And you can reach out to us through email at info at tickethealth.com. You can also follow me if that's of interest on LinkedIn. Eric Gombrich, I'm sure you'll have my name spelled properly <laughs> in the material so people can find me there. Not only will we have it spelled properly, we will have the click-throughs where they can just click on your name and head on over to your LinkedIn and all those other points Perfect. of contact online. So simply scroll down into your podcast player in the episode notes. All those contact points will be there to get a hold of Eric and the entire Ticket Health team. Additionally, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be an episode posted for this podcast with Eric and those contact points will be there as well where you can also leave comments, feedback, and suggestions for Eric and the Ticket Health team. Again, passionatepioneers.com. Well, Eric, again, thank you so much for being with us today. We do have one more piece before we sign off here. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? The art of the possible is unlimited, and we've got tremendous work to do, I think, as a community, and we need to get after it. I love it. I love it. I couldn't agree more with you, my friend. This is why I love hanging out with you. And I know you're always bringing the passion. You're always bringing the fire to move this industry forward. There's no doubt that we can do it, but we have to be able to do it together. And with leaders like you pushing us forward, there's no doubt we will continue to do so. So for now, Eric, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing your journey and everything happening within the Ticket Health family. We appreciate your time. Look forward to continuing to follow you on the journey. But for now, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. I really appreciate it, Mike. Everybody stay safe. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 